We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. What is more contagious? Laughter? Or sneezing? Yawning. Oh, yawning. <laughs> did you ever do that did, in school? This, that, or the other. Right yeah, there, baby. This, that, or the other. We did that in school one time. We're like, hey, let's start a yawn fast at like 10 o'clock. One person yawns, and then let's see how that goes. Oh, and then man. we uh, all got in trouble. But that was the Yeah, one. you're right. Yawning is absolutely the one. But I was laughing because, you know, hearing a little bit of uh, laughter in our ears as we come back in from commercial break just puts a smile on your face and gets you going. And this guy always puts a smile on our faces when we are at any Sabres alumni event. At a game, which he goes to a lot, happy 69th birthday to the one and only Derek Smith, who, of course, has called Buffalo home since his playing career ended. And Smitty was here in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and, of course, was part of the big deal with Danny Gare and Jim Schoenfeld to Detroit for Dale McCourt and Mike Foligno back in the day. And uh, still one of the absolute best guys to be around. And we've been fortunate enough to be around Derek and his sons who stay in the game. Yeah, they uh, were both video coaches for the Sabres and other NHL teams. And mm -hmm. uh, Mugatu is awesome. That is Corey. Um, when I was here in Buffalo, but I uh, love the Smith family. Um, funny enough, I uh, I used to drive around their neighborhood years and years ago. Um, know exactly where they live. They're great people. People around them love mm -hmm. them. Other alumni members love them. Uh, other People in the league absolutely, you know, have great stories to talk about when they talk about Smitty and and everything that he did. So uh, he was good when we did the uh, Danny Gare roast. Um, oh yeah, Derek Smith went up on stage. He and Don Lewis and a bunch of guys were talking about the house that Gare and Smith and all those guys used to live in for a while, and it uh, it was a pretty good story. So sticking with Sabers alumni. This tweet came across last night from our buddy, Greg. We haven't heard from him in a while, but Greg is ridiculously funny. And he said, seven of nine of the first trades in Sabres franchise history involved cash. Also, the trade that brought Eddie Shack to the Sabres also brought a Dick Duff to the team. Duffer Sabres, I can only assume that you're just finding out that in my headcanon, your dad is Dick Duff and played for <laughs> Buffalo. So, no, but Greg, I don't want to occupy any space in your head uh, more than maybe just in this window of noon to one on a regular basis and, of course, on our Sabres game night. But Dick Duff is a Hall of Famer. He yes. shares the same hometown. He's 87, by the way. He shares the same hometown as Darren Poopa, Kirkland Lake, Ontario. How many cups do you figure Dick Duff won before? closing out his career as a Sabre in the earliest of the expansion years? I would say he won four cups. Six. That's Two the number Toronto. I wanted to. 
Yeah, six, two with Toronto, four with Montreal. And just obviously, you know, because of his time in the 60s there with Toronto, had a punch of Imlac connection, which is why he ended up with the Sabres at the end there. Players um, with nicknames back in those days, awesome. His actual name was Terrence Richard. Uh, obviously, Richard, um, yes. you know, became Dick Duff. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like there was so many players that were not known for their first names in that era of hockey, but known for their nickname. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it goes. Like I saw... A game sheet. Last summer, I was in Kempville, Ontario, and this guy came up to me and was like, I have a game sheet from a, a, a exhibition game between the Montreal Canadiens and this amateur club way up in Val d'Or or Aranda, like Timmins, mm-hmm. Ontario area, whatnot, people that know where that is, that's way up north. And on the game sheet, it didn't say Bernie Joffreon, it said Boom Boom. And like it was actually written out, boom, boom, Joffreon. Like that's what they would write on the game sheet for his name. Like that was his nickname. Was that the one that had the cigarette burns in the it? The cigarette burned right into the paper. So in the penalty box was the the official scorekeeper with a cig and the ashes fell on the paper and it burned a hole right there where, where boom, boom, Joffreon's his name was. Amazing. Well, we're talking about the big story in the month of July, um, NHL wise, Sabre wise, we're here on July 31st, kicking off a brand new week. And obviously it's been quiet for quite a while. And, yes. and some that have responded to us at Sabres live feel like the Sabres, uh, have been extremely quiet and maybe in their opinions, uh, didn't address either a way to, um, fix the hole created by the Jack Quinn injury for perhaps half a season um, or maybe put some more clarity to their goaltending situation. I will say this, uh, tongue in cheek, of course, because you know, that's how I like to operate. Um, one of my favorite stories was one that we never talked about on air. In fact, two weeks ago, I was like, where was I when this happened? Pierre Edouard Belmar. Yes. Signed with Seattle. Oh, for basically the minimum on a one-year deal. This we is joined only... his buddy Burkowski. Yes. And, and they're playing in the winter classic. This uh, year. But it's not at Lake Tahoe this year. So no, it's just... what is he going to say about T-Mobile park that he's never, I've never played baseball in my life. <laughs> We're not playing baseball, dude. It's hockey in a baseball field. Oh man. I like <laughs> center field, bro. Center field, center field. I've never been in the infield in my life. No, this is kind of uh, funny that there are so many things so that excited. kind of slip through our fingers at yeah. this time. Like, because not every, uh, I don't follow every team, but usually it gets retweeted by some, some team or some other person I follow, but sometimes it kind of falls through right there. Um, you know what? Like there was some signings. There was some great signings this this month of July. There was some guys that, and there was some trades. Like the Pierre Luc Dubois trade was a significant story, I yep. think, in the month of July. Now we're going back a while, and Dubois goes to LA from the Winnipeg Jets, and the Jets get uh, Alex Arfalo as a part of the deal, right? And he yep. goes over um, to Winnipeg, but that's a big deal because why? When Winnipeg comes into town, it's going to be the Alex Arfalo, you know, like, uh, you know, family reunion again. Like whenever Ellie came into town, that's what we talked about. And now, well, no more Ellie. It's going to be the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I ran into his dad, uh, Alex's dad, Tom, last week, and he's pretty excited for him. He thinks this will be a great 
uh, I don't know, not necessarily a reset because that would suggest something was needed, but I just think it's a renewal of what he's capable of doing. And obviously he has a very prominent role with this Winnipeg club that is in, that is transitioning right now. So he wasn't just a throw in with Velarde. He's an important piece for them. And I, I, I tend to agree with his dad that I think this will be uh, really interesting to watch how Alex is able to take advantage of that time this year. Yeah, no, it's going to be uh, good for him. Um, maybe just even a different uh, team concept, uh, different players to play with. I feel like yeah. Alex had maximizes is uh you know his role with the LA Kings and then he moves on maybe he can take a step forward again uh and but quickly you talk about obviously sabers some people will say lack of movement in the month of mm-hmm. July they didn't address goaltending they barely addressed the defense right like we we're talking about a top four guy is Connor Clifton the 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 answer the solution I think Connor Clifton is a really nice player and I think Connor Clifton with Owen Power with Dallin and Samuelson can give you a really really solid top four but where most people are worried is that last season at five on five the Sabres were 28 in the league in goals against they gave up 204 goals against at five on five. That was like close to Chicago at 208. Uh, Montreal, only 200. Like those were not good defensive team. Like obviously right. the five on five play has to be better. Is Connor Clifton making that 204 drop to maybe 174? Like is there 30 goals that Connor Clifton will, will help? you know, save at five on five? Or does that have to be goaltending? Or does it have to be a better system, right? Like the Sabres played in the last three weeks of the season. They were better defensively and it helped Evan Levi. So that's the big question. I I don't think that they can jump from 204 to 174 right now without having seen how they're going to play. But I think they're better. They're not going to be 28 in goals against at five on five this year. Not in my opinion. Uh, what's a realistic ranking for them based on your view of the group right now? Well, I would have to say, uh, I mean, not to be greedy, you got to just say top 20, don't you? I was going to say like 18, 19, 20 is a realistic view. Right. If they and, can and get in the top half, it's it's bonus because of the way they can score. Top half would definitely put them in the playoff spot. Okay. So what's more important going from overall goals against ranking where it is right now to closer to the middle or penalty kill ranking? into the top half i think a five on five play is more important um and so yes the penalty kill would would up 204 goals on penalty kill this season like it's just not gonna be that way maybe you're giving up you know a goal a game would be 82 and that still would be probably problematic if you can give up 70 if you can give up 60 then great uh but the lower (laughs) yeah but the 204 is way too much way too much to give up at five on five during the season yeah well again how does it play out from a defense core standpoint Uh, who gets the usage who gets the new minutes among the forwards yes we saw examples of what could be to come at the end of last season but every new year has to bring about uh, a different reality based on last year's real and hard numbers and that's what they're still digesting and that's what they have to improve upon we're talking about biggest stories in the month of july and your immediate instinct was to say that it was patrice bergeron and his retirement how it affects the bruins how it affects the eastern conference i mentioned that the leafs core four is still intact to me that's a pretty big story 
and and again so this is clearly painting a picture that there maybe wasn't like uh um just a ridiculously massive moment in the nhl in this month which is one of change typically i would say this countering um maybe a dip by the bruins which we all expect and what we hope is a rise by the sabers i would say two pieces in between two teams in between emerged as the stories for me Carolina yep. by solidifying Aho forever, adding Orloff, wow. adding Bunting, getting Stahl on a hometown discount, bringing in D'Angelo, love him or hate him. They've had moderate level of success with him before. The Kane story and the Devils story to me, where the Devils were able to do everything they wanted to last year. And then they retained. There never became this panic situation just because Timo Meyer came in. They didn't get rid of anybody that they didn't feel they had to. Like, just for Brad is still there. Everybody's locked up. Now, did they address the goaltending? Maybe not, but I still look at the stabilization, if not improvement, of both the Canes and Devils as big stories in the Eastern Conference specifically. No, I think those are big. And in that Metropolitan Division, there is going to be a huge battle. New Jersey, Carolina, the Rangers. There's three teams right there that I could put at the top of the Eastern Conference. And then Pittsburgh's going to want to play in there. The New York Islanders are going to want to play in there. Uh, Columbus is going to want to make a step forward. They got Mike Babcock, which is maybe a big significant story too, that we knew was happening but was official in July. So I think that New Jersey and Carolina and what they were able to do and retain a lot of both, like Ranta and Anderson staying in Mm -hmm. Carolina. That's huge. That's huge. They solidified their goaltending once again this year. So uh, those two teams very, very much uh, at the top of the betting boards when you look at where the the over-under are being set. Now, this is when, like August 1st is when you're going to start seeing over-under sets on the amount of wins, amount of points. You're going to see New Jersey and Carolina at the top of that leaderboard. I have a four-letter word for best and worst of the weekend. It's coming up along with Marty's better, best, and worst next on Sabres Live.